Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a super callous, fragile, racist, sexist, Nazi POTUS to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is accelerating truth. Yeah, so you might not have heard of accelerating truth before. And there's a good reason for that. It's because yeah. it's another one that I made up. Yay. And <laughs> I, think, I is... think you could actually say identified rather uh, than fair. made yes. up. That's fair. Yeah. Yes. Sounds a bit it's... more scholarly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, um, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah. When when I write the paper on it, I'll put I, I identified this. Yeah. yeah, so this is this is something that I've identified as happening from time to time, which is when it's it's a slight variation, basically, mm-hmm. on uh, proof by assertion right. or argumentum ad nauseam, where yeah. with ad nauseam it's people saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Accelerating truth is where each time they repeat it or each time they go back to the argument, it becomes, in their telling, a bit more true. And it's often based on the the assertion that they made before. So they're kind oh, of okay, they're, yeah. there isn't there isn't new evidence coming in that then they're, they're changing their story on. It's like, well, because I said it, that now gives yeah, it yeah. some kind of so there's um, now a history cachet. Of <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People have said yeah. many people have said well one part you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just now. Yeah. But yeah. So um for our Trump example Back in May of 2017, May 16th, uh, before Robert Mueller was appointed to special counsel, in fact, the day before, he had a meeting with Trump in the Oval Office. Uh, Mueller says that he was there to talk to Trump about the FBI director job because James Comey had recently been fired yep. or, or removed from the job. And uh, and he was there to advise on kind of what kind of person you might be looking for or what the needs of the job are or how the FBI needs to move forward. Trump claims that Mueller was there to interview for the job and that Mueller desperately wanted the job. And the fact that he didn't pick Mueller for the job was a big part of why he was so anti-Trump and, and, you know, conflicted when he was writing the report. Uh, Obviously, most of those calls of conflict went away after Mueller came back and said, no collusion, according yeah. to Trump, at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in, in March of 2018, Trump said this. I had a nasty business transaction with Robert Mueller a number of years ago. I said, why isn't that mentioned? He wanted the job as FBI director. I mean, these are things that are out there. They know it. Why isn't that? And I didn't give it to him. Why isn't that mentioned? So at this point, he's just asserting that... Uh, Muller came in, he he wanted the job and I didn't give it to him. And that's part yeah. of this whole problem. Um, a couple of months later, in another press conference, he said this. As you know, he wanted the job of the FBI director. He didn't get it. So now it's become, as you know, as yeah, if it's yeah. a thing that is generally accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is slightly more than just him saying it. But then... February the following year, he said this on uh, Geraldo Rivera's uh, show. Well, he said in Congress that he never applied for the job of the FBI director, and now it's been proven that he did. 
Oh, now it's been proven that he did. Yeah, now right. it's been proven. Now, the only additional evidence that her, that came forward during that time, apart from Muller denying it under oath, was <laughs> yeah. that an administration official said, oh, yeah, he did. He did want to... An, an unnamed um, administration. administration official well, said to Trump. Fox News, exactly, right. <laughs> said to Fox yeah. News that he did. Yeah. There's also administration officials who have specifically said he didn't, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, like Steve Bannon, who at the time said, no, he wasn't coming in yeah. to interview for the job. Why and, isn't that mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> and, and memos from Rod Rosenstein at the time saying that he wasn't interested in the job. Yeah. And also the fact that he'd already done the job for 12 years and therefore legally wasn't actually allowed Failed to do to the do job. <laughs> Yep, but apart from all of that, yeah. we've got Trump's assertion that he did, that he wanted the job, he was desperate for the job, and that's why he was so conflicted and why he was so against Trump and why he hired his 13 to 18 angry Democrats. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> 13 to 18, an innumerable number. And yeah. why? And also the, the, the uh, what was it, the angry, the disagreeable business transaction that they had, well, yeah. which was him yeah. not. Getting a no, getting a re, not renewing his giving up it was, his membership of his golf yeah, club, it was and asking um, for a refund of the unexpended yeah months. Muller's Muller's family moved basically. They weren't going to be able to use the membership of their golf uh, membership at Trump Golf Course, and wrote a letter to Trump to see if they could get a refund of the remaining amount, and never heard back. That was the nasty business transaction. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so they just cancelled the direct debit. And that yeah. was, yeah, so that, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so in, in, yeah. in retellings, it went essentially from, I'm saying this is true, to it's now been proven. Absolutely true. With, with nothing true. else really helping. No. Yeah. Just so I, the things that I've said have been added to the things that have been said about this. Yeah, so they they're are part they're of the body of, of evidence. The, yeah, part, yeah. Of, part of public record. But you know, it, but somehow in his retelling, it outweighs all the other evidence of yeah. twelve years in the job can't do it again. That kind of stuff. Not interested. Spoke to the very many other people who said no. He never mentioned it. Yeah. But also, the right, fact yeah. that that he would have had to perjure himself to deny it when there when he gets nothing out of it. If he, you know, if he had said yes, I was interviewing for the job. But it yeah. had no effect on how I wrote my report. Yeah. So what? That wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. You know, it wouldn't yeah. have made any difference because uh, at that point he'd already said, um, you know, we didn't find anything that we decided we could prosecute for. Yeah. So. so yeah, exactly. So up up yeah. until that point, Trump still thinks he's disagreeing with him, and now he's not accused him, not found him guilty of collusion. Not that he was able to. He's kind of Trump's not talked about that anymore. So he yeah. yeah hasn't mentioned Mueller for ages, has he? That's, you know, no, not for a while. Kind of, no. no. Every now and again, he does say, you know, it used to be Russia, 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 and now it's whatever coronavirus, China, China, China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, virus, virus, virus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, weirdly, time marches on, and you know, <laughs> you just distract us from the uh, the news cycle. By, or fortunately, an invisible killer virus does that for us and makes it very uncomfortable for you, which we enjoy greatly. And 
Now is the time, I think, for Marx British politics. Corner. So today's example is um, a sort of question. Can you hear that faint, high-pitched whistling sound up there in canine frequencies emanating from our politics at the moment? Well, yeah, immigration is back. When we first discussed um, this uh, lately defined, not, not made up, <laughs> lately defined uh, fallacy, I, I, my uh, thought was, well, this is often what the media does um, in creating something su- sufficiently uh, self-fulfilling to become a story. And the current distraction from COVID is um, this massive invasion of a dozen or so people in a in a dinghy escaping tyranny and war-torn areas trying to get to the UK. And there was a news report done on ITV News, um, maybe the 7th or something like that. And it was when it was calm, the seas were calm, it was nice and warm, and lots of uh, people in dinghies were coming over from France, sufficient for news media people to go out in their own boats and film them doing just that. So one of the reporters, uh, who is Libby Wiener, there's this report that's headlined, Migrants Must Be Returned to France, says Pretty Patel. And there's a section in here where I think she uses her own assertion to form the basis of the truth of the statements she's ending the report with. Ministers wouldn't confirm today whether they are considering bringing in the Navy. One concern is that their presence here, far from acting as a deterrent, might instead be a magnet for migrants. Those desperate enough to flee a war zone or extreme poverty more likely to see a Royal Naval Patrol as their passage to safety than a threat. See, I think she's gone from one of those uh, proper media things where it said, well, you know, we've had, we've received no denial for the question of. So she's saying that ministers won't confirm whether they are considering so you think, well, what, what is that there then? So they won't confirm that they're considering it. So does that mean they're not or they haven't received <laughs> or, a report? more likely, here's something I just made up. Yeah. Or <laughs> they couldn't get an answer. Yeah. Or they've not. So they've not confirmed it. It's a bit like saying, well, I remember when we were casting a film, didn't we cast a film? And we would go around saying, well, John Cleese hasn't turned us down. Yeah, we did say that. That, was, that yeah. was our, and, you know, so that's the equivalent of it, isn't it? They ministers haven't confirmed. I should say, we said that as a joke, not to trick anyone into being in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't turn us down. No, it's true. He didn't yeah. say yes, but he didn't To be honest, a lot, of, a lot of celebrities did turn us down, so. Yeah. That's true, yeah, yeah. But he didn't, yeah. No. Basically, because he didn't confirm whether he was considering being in the part. So he just never answered. He just never answered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fundamentally, so she's going from this assert, this assertion. Ministers wouldn't confirm whether they're considering sending in the navy, basically to uh, intercept these tiny boats coming from France, um, and and th- that goes all the way up to. So that becomes a truth um, that the navy are going in sufficient that migrants will see that as uh, their passage to safety rather than as a threat. So uh, these kind of things, you think, well, the reporters are somewhat responsible for being a bit dog-whistly themselves because they're kind of 
speculating on nothing whatsoever in order to make a point and adding weight to the point by saying, yeah, migrants are likely to see that as a safe passage because under various maritime rules, if there is a uh, a boat in trouble, then whoever's nearest, like whether, whether they're in authority or not, they're they're duty bound, morally bound to rescue them from the sea and take them to the nearest port, which if they're in English waters would be England. Great. Is it, Jim's not jumping in. Brilliant. Have you, have you, I'm just, no, I was, I'm good with that. That's fine. Okay, good. I was waiting for you to move on to your next one, okay. actually. <laughs> the next one, yeah. So the next one in the same report. See, I'm, yeah. See, I, am I, I'm going to argue tenuously just because I want to play the clip. It, I would argue he creates the truth. So he's uh, this is a reporter asked by that. This is a, no, this is the guy called Kevin Mills who's from the Border Force Union. And we'll talk about what that is in a minute. Uh, asked by the reporter about whether this is, um, you know, whether he's, he's experienced anything like this before. Bit of a leading question. And he goes from a not very convincing set of numbers with uh, as if he just made them up authenticity which leads him to the the truth that these numbers are huge it goes from i've never seen it so bad all the way up to yeah these are bloody terrible numbers have you seen anything like it before not this scale no i mean i've seen large numbers arriving in in, in lorries you know 10 20 30 40 plus um but this is just consistent this is you know 15 16 you know up to 40 in a vessel and there's you know 15 16 17 vessels in a day so you know this is this is huge um numbers so the, if this was q of course he was like look he said 17 he said 17 yeah, yeah. so he goes from these things which said yes well i've seen you know 20 30 40 in a lorry <laughs> With his recessive R in a, in a lorry, but this is just this is consistent. We didn't ask about consistency; we asked about size, hugeness. And then he says, "I've but here we've got fifteen, sixteen. He's, he's stuck in the fifteen, sixteen, right? Fifteen, sixteen, forty. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. a leaf, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, in fifteen, sixteen, seventeen boats a day." Which not is just boats, huge. Though. Not for no. He's no. kind of he's moved that, and you think, yeah. why did you not challenge him on any of these numbers? But he's <laughs> gone. He's basically because he's kind of his little bit of pulling, plucking numbers out of the air, has led him to say, "Yeah, you're right. I've never seen anything like this." You know, it's, it's a leading question to start with. Yeah, said, I mean, to, the the real answer in in absence of him just making up numbers was yeah. probably, yeah. It's quite a lot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because actually, he isn't a member of the border force. If when you watch the clip, he's standing there in a short sleeve shirt and shorts, looking a bit cash, you know. So he's got no authority denoted by wearing a uniform in the baking sun, you know, which you would think as a member of border force. But he isn't. He works for the Public and Commercial Services Union hence the union bit and Border Force Union. His job is a group assistant secretary for Public and Commercial Service Union, and his area of responsibility is Border Force. Okay. So basically, he's a he's a union rep for Border Force under the Public and Commercial Services Union. 
So we okay, just... so he works for a company that runs or is in charge of a lot of different unions for different organisations. Yeah, a bit like the Transport and General Workers Union. He works yeah. for the and Public like Social Services He's union. like a liaison, yep. essentially, between that organisation and the people who work for the Border Force. Yes. Yeah. So he's kind of... He is in charge of looking after their employment rights, uh, holiday rights, sick pay rights, you know, those kind of... So so nothing to do with keeping people out of the UK? No. No. <laughs> and he's a group assistant secretary. So I like don't assistant know... to the group secretary, possibly. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for that. So n- yeah. nothing to do with that. And he's okay. going, going from a bunch of daft numbers to... He's, and he's lending a third-party authoritative voice to an assertion being made by the journalist that yeah, this yeah. is as yeah. this is she the worst we, with, yeah have you ever seen it so it's like so this. giving giving somebody else the job of proving <laughs> providing the evidence to come up with a sketchy assertion being asserted as the truth is what she does at the end of the report herself but in this is earlier on she's given the job to this poor sap who you know who they've disguised as having something to do with border force. <laughs> to be honest, if if he's not involved in um, actually, you know, the front line of migration, he it's probably true to say he's never seen it so bad. He's yeah, never seen it at all. At all. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking at the figures, the sea crossings spike in the summer when the water is calm. So far this year, it's been three thousand nine hundred forty-eight come by sea last year it was 1809 but the, the the only figures i could find were from august 2016 which might give us an idea of the kind of figures the daily express reported that 200 migrants smuggled into the uk in lorries every week so that's 10,000 a year now as we know mm-hmm. the genetic fallacy prohibits us from assuming that those numbers are wrong just because they come from the daily express yes but <laughs> <laughs> and also as critical pre- thinkers yeah. we should also consider the source yeah and the possible motivation and the daily express for those who aren't in the uk is notoriously anti-migrant paper yep. it is and and notoriously yeah. pro-brexit the only thing and, they talk more about than migrants is princess diana yeah and, still uh and the death of uh, her death and how it affects house prices uh-huh. yeah it's interesting to look at the timing of the migrant crisis because it reminds us of the uh, the, the caravan of, of of thug criminals that were coming, uh, hordes of them coming over the hill mm-hmm. from Mexico at the time of the midterms <laughs> uh, for Trump. So the last time, this, so that, those numbers about the the migrant crisis with um, ten thousand a year coming via lorries was just around Brexit time. And now all this coverage is happening because COVID, because, you know, ineptitude, all that stuff. Let's go. And we'll talk about that later, that later in the headlines. Child. 
Uh, John Lennon there ranting about, just give me some truth, saying such things as I'm sick and tired of deciphering some thinly veiled, poorly argued, blatant, wild fallacies. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. 1971, he wrote that. Still Ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective, uh, which we'll manage for at least two of the examples uh, here. Okay. And um, the the first one is actually what kind of gave me the idea to completely make up slash uh, discover this fallacy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, to, yeah. And um, it actually was inspired by our kind of extra show for patrons, the QAnon book club, because. In the chapter that we're looking at at the moment that you'll be able to hear about probably in a couple of weeks is a bit about Lewis Carroll. Oh, yeah. And, oh, it's the whole uh, Alice, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And they mentioned a particular BBC documentary about Lewis Carroll. And because I am a dedicated person, I watched the BBC documentary. Yeah. And, and I noticed this interesting thing because part of the documentary becomes about whether Lewis Carroll was a paedophile, basically. He had a, a relationship, a friendship with uh, Alice Little, a young girl who he probably based Alice on, and her sisters. And there is there is certain evidence that depends what context you look at it in convinces some people. Other people say actually the kinds of photos that he took of them and that kind of stuff was very common in Victorian England and stuff like that. So yep. I am not in any way, making a judgment or an argument about whether Lewis Carroll was a paedophile in this section here. Yeah. Uh, this is to talk about a particular photo that the uh, programme's host wanted to track down and see whether it was authentic. Mm -hmm. It was a photo uh, that is um, in a collection in France and it might possibly have been taken by Lewis Carroll and it might have been of uh, Alice's sister. And so she's, she got a, a photo expert to look at it and see whether it was consistent, whether the kind of photo it is, the, the processing and all of that was consistent with the time that this girl would have been in her early teens. Mm -hmm. And it starts off, here's what the, uh, the photo expert says when he has a look at it. You can see the little brown spots on her face. It's a very slow-growing mould, very difficult to uh, fake convincingly. Um, it looks like it's got a very thin albumin coating. Uh, albumin, of course, is egg white. So let's have a little peek there. Yep, that's very thin. That's what you'd expect from the 1850s, 1860s. So we can rule out a modern fake. So we've established that the photograph was taken around the same time that Carol was seeing the Littles. No, you haven't. <laughs> the... <laughs> What you've established is it's not a modern fake. Yeah. 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 He's the, the, the expert says it's not a modern fake. There's, there's kind of a fungus mould on there that is difficult to fake. Um, and the album is consistent with the 50s or 1850s, 1860s. He doesn't say it was taken in the 1850s or 1860s. He says it's consistent with that. It's what we'd expect to see from that period. And it's not a modern fake. And that's as much as you can mm -hmm. get from what the expert said. Yeah. And immediately she goes to, so it was taken around the right time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alderman was being used in the photographic process until the 1890s. So it could have been kind of 40 years after. So 
it gets quite a wide range that that gives you, but it is consistent with the time frame that they were looking at. Yeah. Now, about two and a half minutes later, after she's done a bit of other stuff, she sums up what we know so far and says this. We now know that it was developed using the same process as Carol would have been used, a similar camera, and actually that it dates from the period when Lorena Little herself would have been a young teenager. So now she's saying, we now know... It dates mm-hmm. from the period that this girl was a young teenager. So she's narrowed it down from potentially 60, 70 years yeah. down to, like, five years. Yeah. The the period, in fact, three years, because the period between 13 and 15 of but this particular no, child. But no, with no additional evidence. Nothing more has come along, no. Absolutely. Um, but she goes even further than that because she's now saying, well, you know, we've established this and, and here's what she finishes with. We have established that it's not a fake, it's a genuine photograph and it's from the exact period when Lorena Little herself would have been a young teenager. So so now it's the exact period. exact period. period. <laughs> All right. And again, this is just another couple of minutes onwards. Nothing else has come up, no more evidence has been shown. Um, it, but in the retelling, this has gone from the expert saying... This is consistent with the time period and also unspoken, but it's also consistent with around kind of 40 years either side um, to her saying this is this is was taken in the exact period when this girl was a young teenager. So it's just so what what the accelerating truth fallacy does is provide um, evidence for the argument that you're making without mm-hmm. there being any evidence. You're, so you're asserting the argument, and then you're yeah. asserting the evidence upon which you're basing the argument. So yeah. there's no... And you're saying, basically, we know, we've shown this now, we've established it, it's yeah. a fact now, it's, you know, yeah. we've proved it, when actually you haven't proved anything, you've just said it. And, other, and, and it's easy to get taken along with it. It's easy mm. for people to, to kind of think, oh, yeah, I, they said that in the previous scene, so now I... Yeah, she's right, yeah, yeah. we've established that. But if, they, yeah, if, at, they any, if at any stage with those subsequent assertions, if she then took them back to the, you know, what you want in a kind of Python-esque way is the, is the scientists to still be there in the background <laughs> and just look up and go, no, that's, no, no, it's <laughs> not no, what I said. Didn't say that. <laughs> hello. Sorry. Hello. No. And then just walk up and put his hand over the camera. Going, <laughs> no, that's not, not what's going on. And it's just, yeah. and then you add the kind of portentous music and, and the kind of knowing there's a, a side of the nose tapping tone of voice going on with that. See, you see, yeah. here's all the proof you need. And it's just preaching to the converted. That's what it is. Uh, absolutely. And one of the one of the other kind of techniques that she uses in this is when she talks to the experts, she asks their opinion, you know, their expert opinion. Yeah. And because they're experts, they say, well, you know, I don't think we have enough evidence to, to mm. show one way or the other. Yeah. But. But then she kind of keeps going and says, "Well, you know, what what do you think? What's your gut say?" And, and yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. And then it's and then that's presented as if it's the expert's opinion in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, or or they, well, not, yeah, or, no, it probably is that. But, yeah. Or yeah. not even the expert's opinion based on the fact that they don't, you know, it, there is there is insufficient. And it, it's the expert's decision. It's their decisive yeah. judgment on yeah. what it tells you. You know, it's not even kind of filtered through. And, you know, this particular expert, when pushed, said, <laughs> grudgingly conceded that that might be a point of view that one could take up. Yeah. So you're asserting something based on your own. You've decided already 
and now you're making it look like there is objective truth, but it isn't. You're making it more and more objective with each yeah. um, repetition if, of it. And if at the end she was honest <laughs> yeah. in in representing the information they had, what the, what she would have been able to say was, we don't know who took this, we don't know who it's of, we can tell it's in the right century for <laughs> for what we think might have happened. Yeah. And at the time, lots of people were using similar processing and cameras because there weren't that many to choose from. It wasn't like you could just go down to Boots and get a different kind of camera. Yeah. So it's consistent with what we suspect, but beyond that, we can't be sure about anything. Yeah. That, it doesn't. It's not as good a story, is it? It's no. Not, it's not no, as good a conclusion. No story, yes, exactly. There's no story <laughs> at all, is there? Our second example is a little bit political because yeah. <laughs> it is a tweet from a person called Denise. This is about a story that was in Politico when sen- former Senator Chris Dodd, who was on Joe Biden's vice presidential search committee, mm-hmm. th- he talked to Politico about Kamala Harris because she was obviously in the the running to be Veep. And he said that he asked her about her ambush on Biden in the first Democratic debate when, when she basically um, said she knows that he's not racist, but he did do these things that didn't help the black community, basically. Dodd said she laughed and said that's politics. She had no remorse, which is completely fair because yep. <laughs> it is politics. That's the one of the weird things is when you have the primaries and you have to, you know, get those those people standing up who are on the same side mm. all competing against each other. They are going to be negative about each other by yep. definition. They're yep. going to have to bring out anything that they can say that is not good about the other people yeah. and then they're going to have to work together because they're on the same side yeah yeah you know, that was our complaint about the whole that whole yeah. circus for that time wasn't it you've absolutely got, in so, order to stand out you've got to be shooting down the other one that stands out yeah so, yeah yeah so that is politics and why should she have any remorse for it yeah but anyway people started talking about it on twitter and this person called denise said most likely camilla leaked a made-up story to politico so that people could feel sorry for her i doubt that came from chris dodd the vetting team has kept a tight lid on the process all the more proof that she can't be trusted she brings nothing to the ticket and can't be trusted <laughs> so, th- so this person has just totally decided yeah, that, that it's probably it was probably Kamala making this up yeah and then said that's proof that she can't be trusted yeah 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 and then and then not you know that's not all the more proof based uh-huh. on what other no, proof it's no, yeah. it's no proof yeah, all, all the more proof it's and just then, me saying something and then says she can't be trusted for sure she brings nothing to the <laughs> ticket and be, can't be trusted well the, yeah, yeah. Wonder, wonder how she votes. Yeah, most, <laughs> goes from most likely to definitely can't. Yeah, yeah. And brilliant. That, yeah, most likely, and that's proof. Yeah, yeah, that's so. brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> and it's I'll just t- you kind of think that's just Twitter all over, isn't it? You go, you go <laughs> down the thing, and you just, you know, if you're looking for logical fallacies, just <laughs> Twitter, just go there. Uh-huh. Great. Yeah. So our final example in this section comes from one of the best podcasts of all time. It's Be Reasonable, which hey. is made by our, our good friend Marsh, um, <laughs> friend yeah. of the show. Be Reasonable is where Marsh talks to people whose beliefs are outside of the mainstream, he describes it as. Yeah. They are they are nutters. And <laughs> he doesn't say he that. Talks he, doesn't say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that. That's me, yeah. uh, just to be clear. Yeah. But he, what he does is he talks to them 
in a very reasonable way. He mm. listens to what they have to say and what they think the evidence is that shows that they are right about things. Yep. Um, ask them, you know, strong critical thinking questions, but doesn't argue with them about it. Mm. And and in doing so, gets a really interesting conversation and and gets to find out why these people believe what they believe. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a fascinating and yet incredibly frustrating show to listen yeah, to because yeah, yeah. when they say stuff, you're constantly thinking, "Oh God, that's nonsense! You should yeah. say something." But of course, if you just say, "Well, that's bullshit," and here's why, yeah. then you don't get to hear what they what their want to back reasoning with, is. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in fact, what he's doing so, is paying out enough rope so that they can hang themselves. It's that kind yeah, of, yeah. You know. And it's really it's a lovely show, and I strongly recommend it. This one was an episode where he talked to a guy called Karma Singh who is an alternative medicine proponent, and he believes that viruses don't exist, basically. It's all protein particles that we create in our own bodies, and true of cancer as well, and all kinds of different stuff about that. So here's something that he said about HIV. Of people who test positive for HIV, within two years, they will test negative. So they've overcome the problem. Mm. Which shows also shows you that the HIV, any so-called virus, is actually created by your own body. So okay. it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't show you that. Um, but, but even if it did, even if there was some logical progression between You're those right. two things, <laughs> yeah. the assertion that people who test positive for HIV will test negative in two years mm. is just an assertion. It's not backed up by anything. He doesn't attempt to back it up by anything. And, it, and if you look, you can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but then he uses that. Do the research. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he uses that as proof, uh, or as 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 evidence at least yeah. to show that viruses are created within your body and not actually mm. external things mm. that that attack you. Yeah. Um, but it's just something he just said. It's not. Yeah. It's not science or real or anything like that. Well, I hope Marsh points that out. He said, "I'm, I'm failing to see the join between <laughs> that and you know your premise and your conclusion." maybe not using those words because I think that would confuse him. But, you know, yeah. and then point out, okay, where's your evidence to say that HIV disappears the, after two The years? difficult thing about listening to Be Reasonable and the difficult mm -hmm. thing, I think, partly for Marsh as well, is that is that because it's a bit of a gish gallop often. Um, right. Because yep. in, if he gives them the, the space to say, yeah. you know, several sentences, they'll say several things that are nonsense. And so he can't leap on everything so yeah in this section about hiv this is this is from i think i want to say episode 63 and um this whole section about hiv the guy is essentially saying that it's that the symptoms that we call hiv are due to stress it's not a virus oh, at okay. all and if people learn to deal with their stress then it goes away right and and so a lot of what marsh was focusing on in this section was why was there so much stress in the gay community in the 80s right and and where where was that stress you know why didn't people who were stressed before that exhibit these symptoms yeah and why now are people so much better at dealing with their stress that there's a lot less of it about yeah um and you know all of those kinds of things of saying you know if if your premise is this why aren't we seeing what we do what we would expect to see yeah. which is any areas where there's lots of stress you would see these symptoms and yeah. you know why why is there so much more stress in uganda now than there is in neighboring countries and things like that yeah. so really good reasonable critical thinking questions that that point out the flaws in the argument yeah. but without being confrontational so mm. 
Yeah, go away, listen yeah. to it. It's very it's good. good. It is good. Yeah, and it is quite interesting to hear him on on his on his other show um, talking about the stress that he goes through <laughs> when you know constantly lecturing about flat earthers and all those mm-hmm. kind of stuff. When he when he kind of he does get to because it must drive him nuts, and he, so it's quite nice hearing him decompress about that elsewhere so that so you, uh-huh. you know he isn't he all of that shouting at the radio that we're shouting at the radio shouting at the podcast that we all do when listening to that show he got he does it he bottles all that up and then <laughs> lets it out in a kind of tom and jerry kind of way you know he shouts it all into the bag <laughs> marked other podcasts and then lets it all out there. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Can I just point out that the law of averages probably dictates some reflection that there's no reason I'm losing, which is all the more reason why I should be winning. So as you can see, I'm actually winning. Right. Well, I think you've established that. Yeah. yeah. So the theme this week is actually these are these are much shorter than our usual quotes mm, yeah. um, and and they are all examples of times when trump has tried to take the piss out of biden's cognitive abilities oh, and right. while doing so made Dis- mistakes of his own displayed his <laughs> own okay brilliant brilliant yeah right <laughs> yeah statement number one we need someone sharp I mean, you look at Joe Biden, or Sleepy Joe, as I call him. He did an interview, and he forgot the name of the of the of a very important person. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Statement number two. The worst is when he's in, like Indiana, and he says it's great to be with the people of Florida, and you have palm trees all over the place. But he does it all the time. Okay. Right. And statement number three. <laughs> right. Most of the N95 masks were distributed during the N1H1. Now, you know who says that, right? M1H1. Who says that? Sleepy Joe Biden, remember? He said the N1H1. I said, isn't it the other way round? <laughs> right. So the problem with this being nice and short like that is just the right length for Jim, <laughs> for Jim to write a Trump-sized gag and, um, and convince me to choose that one. Okay. I quite like the. Quite, I like the the Joe Biden one is just is the or Sleepy Joe. He didn't even forgot the name of the of the. That's that's I don't know. <laughs> that reminds me of the uh, the one. Oh yeah. Uh, so he said I could do this memory test. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know the one. Um, well, this is when he's like Indiana. He says it's great to be the people of Florida and you have palm trees, but he does it all the time. So there are, just to be clear, there aren't palm trees in Indiana, yeah. but there are lots in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. All oh, right. Okay. Well, I see I'm quite convinced by the palm trees one and the, but I want him to, to say H1N1. Okay, I think number three is the one you made up. 
Okay, so yeah. the other two, you're, yeah. you you said you're quite convinced by the palm trees one. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So number two yeah. is real. The worst is when he's in like Indiana and he says it's great to be with the people of Florida and you have palm trees all over the place. But he does it all the time. No. <laughs> yeah. So Mixing that- up Indiana and Florida yeah. while... Taking the piss out of someone for mixing up in the air in Florida. It's pretty yep. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that gap uh-huh. where he just realizes he's done that <laughs> and then like, goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No crowd reaction. Uh-huh. So they kind of, nobody gets it. They go, wait a minute. We're in what? <laughs> what? It's just, we're in it. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why he thinks. The cognitive ability thing is the thing to hammer home on exactly. Biden. Exactly, it's so it's bizarre. Kind of, Why has know, no one told him? No, this is not really your race. walking a razor's edge. <laughs> that is, isn't it? You know, going, yeah, of all the, yeah, of all the things, you know, being uh-huh. aged and incompetent with weird hair. That's the stuff you'd want to avoid talking about. Yeah, yeah. Don't so, uh, you also think that number one is real? I do, and. Number one is, is yeah. fake news. Oh, nice one. That's very good. See, that's weirdly much more convincing <laughs> than the M1H one. Oh, my God. That uh-huh. means he's to... No. Yeah. So this this one, he was, at, he was reading this as well. This wasn't like in his head he mixed it up. He, he he's reading failed N- in reading it. N95. So, we're just yeah. doing the N1. He's reading that off. This is this is how it sounded. And listen for when he realizes he's made a mistake and thinks, how do I spin this? <laughs> Most of the N95 masks were distributed during the N1 H1. Now, you know who says that, right? N1 H1. Who says that? Sleepy Joe Biden. Remember? You said the N1H1. I said, isn't it the other way around? Who said that? It's Sleepy Joe. Right? Yeah, yeah. Who is it? Who is it? It's not me. And, I know and that. Then go, and then like, they go, yeah, you dope. It's the other way around. But it's written down uh-huh. on a briefing. So with, with shows, got, yeah, it was the A, whole, yeah. a he can't read. B, he never reads his briefing before he gets to the lectern. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. See, he doesn't realise this stuff's been written down by people who work for me. <laughs> so I ought to just read that out and not take the piss out of it. But yeah, who said that? This should be the other way around. Idiot. <laughs> Which means, unfortunately... Oh, well, I don't want... Oh, no, I really want... Get that. I want you to, I want you to cut, up, cut him up in a cassette boy kind of way. To make him say that because it would be, it's so close, isn't it? It's perfect. It is the he did the the thing I took the last bit from was yeah. when he was introducing Anthony Kennedy or talking about Anthony Kennedy, mm-hmm. and I think he might have been sat right next to him, and and he said, you know, and we're here to talk about Judge Anthony. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and again, he does that thing where you he puts the blame on other people. He said, "You know, you uh-huh. don't, don't need me to finish that. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know it. You know the stuff." And and in yeah. in that way, everyone feels included and part of the gang. <laughs> they go, "Yeah, yeah, we know, we know who you're talking about. We've never seen the guy before, <laughs> but yeah, we know. Thanks for trusting us with that with that knowledge. Thanks for acknowledging 
that we're as knowledgeable as you are. And you're one of us and we're one of you. <laughs> you cretin. <laughs> well, I don't mind losing to that one. That's a very good one. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Lilo and Stitch is Not a Logical Fallacy. I haven't seen um, Lilo and Stitch for years. It's, yeah, it's going back a bit. Yeah. And this is really interesting, actually, because mm. this is a story that, that specifically links Pizzagate to me, personally. <laughs> oh, see? Yeah, that's, so, that's all the proof you need, QAnoners. Yeah, just Jim all the time. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, yeah, this comes from a Facebook post right. by a guy called... That, that well-known... Um... <laughs> yeah, a guy called Kano Willoughby. Right. And he noticed, as a few people have noticed, that Disney have updated Lilo and Stitch mm. for when they started streaming it on Disney+. Plus. Right. It's different from the DVD version. Oh, okay. He shot a video of it, and I'm going to play the video. I've edited it slightly because there's time where he's messing around trying to get to the right part of the film, so I've got rid of that bit. Yeah. And when he talks about the DVD, this is a scene where Lilo is hiding from her sister. They're, they're, she's kind of Her sister is angry with her, and she's hiding. And in the DVD version, she hides in a dryer. And in the Disney Plus version, there is a wooden kind of table mm-hmm. with a pizza box underneath it and the kind of lid of the pizza box is is making kind of a door for the table. So that's what he's referring to when he talks about the DVD version and the the Disney Plus version. Yo, so we see this shit on Facebook, people talking about the pizza gate, how Disney switched up stuff, right? This is the DVD right here. This is the part used to be. Y'all see, that's a dryer. Bam, watch this. Now we're gonna go to Disney Plus. Disney crooked anyway. Y'all should get rid of Disney Plus. Don't support them. Now watch what they did. Everybody knows about Pizzagate and the shit that they've been doing. Same part. This is the update that Disney did. What happened to the dryer, bro? And they got the pizza box up there. Yo, tell me this shit. Y'all, I can't make this up, bro. Explain this shit. So I'm going to explain this shit. Okay. And and yes, you can make this stuff up. <laughs> uh-huh, you can. So yeah, that well, have been since 2016. Yeah, he hasn't made up the fact that they replaced the scene. He's making up the link with Pizzagate, though. Yeah, the text yeah. that he posted with it was, Boycott Disney, they're paedophiles. We have the original movie and Disney Plus made updates. Tell me all why this is there if it's not real. Wake the fuck up. I will be deleting my Disney Plus account. Hashtag save the kids. So, okay. for those who don't know what Pizzagate is, uh, it's an old conspiracy theory that kind of rolled into QAnon, and it says that elites around the world, especially Hillary Clinton, are paedophiles, and they use pizza and cheese and other food items as code for what kind of child pornography they're talking about, based on the idea that cheese pizza has the same initials as child pornography, basically. Oh, okay. And then... Like pasta is little girls and hot dogs is little boys or something. I don't right. know all of the details, yeah. but yeah. Um, it's yeah. They've they've decided that when John Podesta, who was one of uh, a person who was emailing Hillary, was talking about food in his emails, he was actually talking about 
children and trafficking and sex and all of that kind of stuff and it's just a code that they use right it's obviously nonsense it's it's been debunked widely it's it's not true but QAnon believers still maintain a lot of the same beliefs and Pizzagate is this this thing so his assertion is that the reason that Disney changed the scene from a dryer to a table with a pizza box yeah is as a signal to paedophiles probably okay that that disney yeah. is also a paedophile or something the obvious there and there yeah. and yeah. or like support for them or i don't know right anyway right here's the real story 2002 was when Lee and stitch came out yeah I was working at the British Board of Film Classification at the time, the BBFC. Yep. The BBFC is the British version of the MPAA. They they classify films, videos, video games at the time as well um, for for age ratings for cinema and for uh, DVD release. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be on the team that classified Lilo and Stitch. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was brilliant. I loved the film. It was really good. Most Disney films like this tend to be a U, which is in the UK, it's universal, means you, anyone can watch it, and it's particularly suitable for, for children. Um, it's ideal for kids to watch even if there isn't a parent around. Uh, the next one up is parental guidance, PG, um, which means that we would expect at least that the parents would have some input into making the decision mm-hmm. of you know whether to sit there with their kids or decide that their kids are old enough to watch it themselves or whatever. The problem with this scene where Lilo hides in the dryer is that it may be different in the US, I don't know, because of the types of dryers you have or, or what. But in the UK, certainly, when a, when you put clothes in a dryer and you shut the, the door, mm-hmm. there's a catch. It yeah. clicks and it locks and you can't get out. And kids have died in tumble dryers. Because you don't want the clothes to fall out by, of their own accord. No. So you would lock it from the outside, yeah. So encouraging, or not even encouraging, presenting it as a safe activity to to hide inside a tumble dryer, it struck me particularly, but also uh, my colleagues, as a potentially dangerous activity. One of the things that I had as as a kind of area of expertise during my time at the BBFC was what we called imitable behaviour, which is behaviour which is presented on film as appearing to be safe, but actually if you did it in real life would not be safe. We talked in that about things like explosive recipes, where there are some films where it shows the people making an explosive device and it shows all of the things and the steps and things they do. The yeah. police tended to ask us not to include all of the steps yeah. because they didn't want to show people how to do it. Whereas films like Fight Club, where Tyler Durden said, did you know you can make napalm in a bathtub using concentrated orange juice? It's, that's nonsense. You can't do that. So that's fine. They were allowed to do that. So, are you so part of my not, job. Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So part of my job was at times to look into stuff and see whether it genuinely would would be dangerous if attempted. Whether yeah. the you know whether a program showed all of the steps needed to hotwire a car or all of those things. Yeah. These are. Did you this actually is carry them out as part of your research? I did. You go ahead did and do my them? research, and that is right. all I will say. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of cars went missing from Soho Square around that time. The thing is, this this was information which was readily available on the internet in the most part, especially mm-hmm. even in, in those days of the internet. Yeah. The, the anarchist cookbook was something that was readily oh, yeah, available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had but, a print version of that, yeah. The yeah. argument, at least, 
um, and I think it holds up, I think it's a reasonable argument, was that to find that stuff out, you had to actively go looking for it on the mm. internet. If you wanted to know how to pick locks or, or hotwire a car or make explosives or whatever, you could find out, but you had to go through steps to do it. What we were trying to avoid was like broadcasting that information, putting the, the information in cinemas where people weren't knowing that that was going to come up or knowing that they were going to get that information, they weren't going looking for it, and yeah. equally to not put it out on DVD and stuff like that. So avoiding having a scene where it appeared safe for a child to, to play hide-and-seek or whatever in a tumble dryer. Mm. For us, for me especially, because my, my colleague that I was classifying the film with said maybe it would be okay at pg i was i was fairly strong that i knew that there had been cases of kids dying in tumble mm. dryers i know it's true in, in the u.s as well as the uk and and this probably wasn't something that disney wanted to be putting out at this level at, mm. at universal where parents weren't even necessarily going to be in the room to say you shouldn't do that and of course we we come from you know our childhood childhood included public service films Absolutely. that would go public out on tv films, yeah. about not playing on um, refuse sites where and Railway climb, lines, yeah, yeah near climb and that kind don't of stuff. climb into a discarded fridge mm-hmm. or a freezer because they would shut and you'd get stuck, you know. And absolutely, and in fact, that that was a factor because the guy who was running the BBFC at the time. Um, or at least at the time when I joined, I don't, I'm not sure if he'd moved on by this point, was Robin Duval, who, who one of his previous jobs had been running the public information film service ah, for the government. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he was very clear that mm. um, things like hanging scenes, for example, was yeah. another thing that we would often um, look very closely at, like The, the Mummy, uh, where there was a scene where the main character, Brendan Fraser, was, was hung and in the original version, he hung for quite a long time yeah. and was then taken down and was fine afterwards and was like running around. Yeah. And we cut the amount of time that you could see him hanging because we wanted to make to, to not make it appear that that was a safe activity yeah. and a fun yeah. game that you could play. Yeah. So things like that were taken seriously at the board at the time. It was something that I looked at and said, this is something we need to take seriously. And if if Disney wants a U for it, they are going to have to make a change to this scene. So we spoke to Disney and they said, good point, didn't think of that. Ah. They didn't change it in the US. Initially, they said that they would probably reanimate the scene for the whole, for the world, essentially. Yeah. As it turns out, they didn't. They put out the US version. Again, that may well be because dryers in the US are different and less likely to have that problem. But for the UK version, they, they reanimated. And what they chose to do... If you look at the two scenes side by side, they are the everything else about the room is identical. Mm-hmm. The table is very similar in dimensions to the to the dryer. All they've done is basically kind of drawn over that part of the image. Right. Yeah. And they replaced the the opening door of the dryer with the lid of a pizza box because who knows? But it, but that was done in two thousand and two, way before yep. any talk yep. about Pizzagate. Yeah, and it was done because of me. I made that Yay! happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, You're the reason. so I'm the reason yeah. that when in 2020 Disney decided to stream their films into people's TVs right. through Disney Plus, they decided to use the re-edited version rather than the tumble dryer version, 
Again, I don't know the reason they made that choice. It may be that dry, dryers have changed over time in the US and now you're more likely to get stuck in them. I don't know. That's pure speculation on my part. But for whatever reason, they chose to use the UK edited version for their Disney Plus streaming service rather than the uh, US theatrical or DVD version yeah. that they previously had. So, Brilliant. So you can, from first hand, at source debunk that conspiracy theory absolutely you're the reason Which is very cool and that's the only that. time it's ever happened it's very cool yeah <laughs> and finally some things we really don't have time to talk about joe biden has finally picked a running mate and it's kamala harris yay since joe will be the oldest president to be inaugurated next january his veep pick could be even more important than usual and while i did say after the first dem debate that kamala would be the nominee i'll take this as a consolation prize Following the announcement, Republicans sprang into action, half of them claiming she's a terrible choice because she's the most liberal senator by far, the other half claiming she's a terrible choice because she's not nearly progressive enough to please the progressives. Jeez, it's not like this was completely out of the blue. They've had months to figure out exactly why they're terrified of the smart, strong, accomplished women of colour. Tucker Carlson did a whole segment on how ridiculous it was that people would actually expect him to pronounce her name right, but then that's fucker class and all over, really. Meanwhile... Someone's been reading the old 2016 Trump playbook. Trump campaign legal advisor Jenna Ellis is pushing the obviously bullshit theory that Kamala isn't technically allowed to run for VP as her parents weren't US citizens. Seriously? Birtherism again? There's something similar about the people Republicans claim aren't American enough to be president, but I just can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Retired Army Brigadier General Anthony Tatter a novelist, former state government official and Fox News regular, which might indeed tell you all you need to know about the character of the man. No? Oh, OK. Then there's all the now-deleted and since-regretted Islamophobic tweets calling Obama a terrorist leader and referring to Islam as the most oppressive, violent religion I know of, amongst other less-than-uncontroversial statements. Anyway, he's done the right thing and withdrawn his wish to be considered for the post of Undersecretary of Defence for Policy. Fair enough, hey? Yeah, not through a sense of duty or decency, though. The Senate Armed Services Committee cancelled his confirmation hearing literally minutes before it was due as, and I quote, members on both sides of the aisle have raised serious questions about this nominee. Not to worry, though, because Trump just hired him as a temp, a freelancer, an agency worker, if you will, just filling in as the official performing the duties of the Deputy Undersecretary of Defence Policy which is not giving him the actual role. Oh, no, just doing the things he'd be doing if he was in the role, which he isn't, because as committee chair Jim Inhofe, a Republican even, said, they didn't have enough information about Tatar to consider him for the position. Not so Trump. Heck, Tatar's loyal. He's a bit dog-whistly, malleable, just his kind of guy. Plus, someone's got to start making inroads into the record numbers of vacancies that have appeared in the Defence Department under Trump. Hurry up and get older, will you, Baron? There's jobs need filling. Two weeks ago, the fake news game featured a clip from Jonathan Swan's Axios interview with Trump. At that point, we'd only seen the trailer, but then they showed the whole interview. And holy shit. <laughs> if you thought the Chris Wallace interview went poorly, or the person, woman, man, camera, TV one, or the Lester Holt one where he confessed to obstruction of justice. OK, Trump has a lot of terrible interviews to choose from, is what I'm saying. But in this one, 
He doubled down on his well wishes for Ghislaine Maxwell, questioned the effectiveness of the Civil Rights Act, lied about the number of people who attended his Tulsa rally, complained that John Lewis didn't go to his inauguration, claimed that the manuals say you can do too much testing for coronavirus, if only someone would read them, and said of over 150,000 American deaths, it is what it is. He also came prepared with a handful of loose printouts of charts that either a third grader or Jared Kushner made, which cherry-picked data and countries to show that the US is lower than the world, if you only look at very specific categories, and told Swan, you can't do that, when he tried to compare per capita deaths. The whole thing made one of his daily coronavirus briefings look well thought out. <laughs> it was terrifically enjoyable, wasn't it? And the guy, he was just nonplussed. That There's the so many memes would, now of Jonathan Swan just like yeah. looking confused. And, it just, and just saying to him, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. And <laughs> actually doing what reporters should have been doing for four fucking years. <laughs> when I was a kid in primary school, at, at break time, we used to go round in a throng, arm in arm, chanting, join on army. And then when we gathered enough people, we'd have battles. Ron DeSantis, who, as Florida's governor, let me remind you, is presiding over a state where the number of children with COVID has gone up from 14,000 to 40,000 in the last month, is basically playing that game we played as eight-year-olds. In a pep talk slash veiled threat, he exhorted school staff to view the upcoming beginning of a new term like a Navy SEAL operation against bin Laden. And like the SEALs, surmount obstacles to bring coronavirus to just... No, wait. To find a way to provide parents with a meaningful choice of in-person instruction or continued distance learning. Notice he doesn't use and between the two choices. Oh, yeah, and also notice he's making a preposterous comparison. Osama bin Laden, one guy in a compound, drones, night vision, duh, the Navy SEALs, remote cameras, heavy weapons, vastly outnumbering deadly force, etc., etc., versus invisible, highly transmissible, even if asymptomatic, catchable and transferable between children and adults. Oh, and high fatality rate yielding virus. Yeah, meaningful choice. I choose to keep the kids home till the numbers are zero. Thank you. Or until after the election, where a more humane and person-centric policy might be in force. I think you're being very unfair. I think you're missing a, a distinct connection between the SEAL attack on Osama bin Laden's compound and sending kids back to school. What you're forgetting is that yep. the government, in both cases, accepted that some people will die. That's true. Yeah, that that's the clear comparison that's, yeah. be, that's unspoken, really, isn't it? A, a certain amount of death is acceptable, is acceptable. for these two yeah. things to happen. It, yeah. And, yeah, but I don't know whether... I think the you know, there's obviously an exponentially different <laughs> amount of death that's acceptable, but it's probably, you know, as a percentage of operations versus personnel... The percentage yeah. is probably about the same, isn't probably it? about the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, which is absolutely fine. I'll take it all back. Yeah. yeah. After voting to acquit Trump, Senator Susan Collins said that she thought he'd learned his lesson. As we keep finding out, the lesson he learned was that he can get away with anything, even yep. when he publicly admits what he's doing. On Fox Business on Thursday, Trump said that he would withhold additional funds from the U.S. Postal Service because... They need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting. 
But withholding money isn't the only thing Trump is doing to destroy the Postal Service. Since he installed Republican donor Louis DeJoy as Postmaster General in June, DeJoy has slowed down mail delivery in at least 19 states, reorganised the structure of the Postal Service to centralise power around himself by reassigning or displacing 23 postal executives, instructed post offices to no longer treat election mail as first class, banned overtime, frozen hiring, and is now removing mail sorting machines from facilities around the country with no official reason or explanation given. Trump is openly trying to interfere with Americans' ability to vote. Perhaps we should listen when he keeps yelling about this election being rigged. Within the development sector where I work, USAID is known as a big hitter, with a $16.8 billion budget being used across the world, helping developing countries tackle problems of hygiene, sanitation, gender equality, rights and freedoms. Somewhat ironic, then, that the White House liaison, ex-White House liaison to USAID, Merrick Corrigan, was making comments about the US, her employer, being devoted to a tyrannical LGBT agenda and tweeting that female empowerment is a civilizational calamity, among others. At the very least, a poor fit role-wise at USAID, I think you'll agree. So she got fired. At times like these, we need a crusader for rights and a champion for the underdog, a hero who will stand up for the oppressed. Exactly what Merritt thought when she contacted friend of the show. How come we've not heard of him? He must have been in jail. Drum roll, please. Jacob Wall. Yay. Yay. <laughs> right. Buckle up. Wall's here. It's going to get weird. <laughs> Corrigan, ex-data of Wall. Yeah. Nor us. Sends tweets accusing high-ranking members of the White House and USAID staff of soliciting prostitutes. As you do. She's due to turn up to Wall Associate and fellow nutjob Jack Bertman's house for a presser. Yeah, guess what? She doesn't show. Jack's unsurprised. She retracts her tweets and then says Wall stole her phone and sent the tweets and states. Due to naivety and inexperience, I became involved with people who abused my trust, conned me, claimed they were working in my interest. I became powerless in a situation and I deeply regret not reaching out to people who knew better or could help me. It's all so familiar, Merritt. You should have called us first. We would have put you right straight away. Meanwhile, diner rodding duo Berkman and Wall continued to walk free to spread batshitness at large. Quick, to the batshit! But remember, with incompetence and irresponsibility comes staggering insignificance. <laughs> They still held that press conference without her, yeah. bizarrely. Oh, well, they've done that before, haven't they? And Yeah, yeah and then and claimed that she was claiming she'd been kidnapped, but that was ridiculous <laughs> by, the, by them. Like, oh, she'd oh, been okay. kidnapped by them. Right. But, but they were saying it's ridiculous, that, but she didn't claim that. She no. hadn't made that claim. No. So they were like, we haven't kidnapped her. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's of so course, weird. And the proof that she wasn't there... <laughs> Is makes it even look even more suspicious. <laughs> we haven't kidnapped her. Well, where is she then? You know, that's uh -huh. that's your obvious answer, <laughs> question, isn't it? No, that we've not brilliant. kidnapped her. We've not locked her in a trunk, put her in the basement. Well, where is she yeah. then? You know, if you were going to state that, you go, we haven't kidnapped her. Here she is right here. <laughs> Nobody said you had. Uh, until that moment, we hadn't thought of that. And now she isn't here. Maybe you have. <laughs> now we think maybe you did. Yes, that's yeah. right. There's an <laughs> accelerating truth right there. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks ago, on the day we recorded the last episode, former presidential candidate Herman Cain died from coronavirus, which he most likely contracted at Trump's Tulsa rally. 
If you only get your news from this podcast, and who can blame you, you'd be forgiven for not knowing that Kane was dead, especially if you also follow him on Twitter, because in a twist that just sums up 2020, Herman Kane is tweeting from beyond the grave. On Wednesday afternoon, his account started tweeting out content attacking Biden and Harris, as well as Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, while still using Kane's name and avatar. Finally, late Thursday, the team now running the account changed their name and image to the Kane Gang, a bizarre name that apparently Herman chose himself. Britpol News. Only one sentence this week to explain Boris's activities. Highest excess death rate in the world. Impending deepest recession since 2008. No sign of promised economic uplands post-Brexit. Falling popularity in the polls. No world-beating track and trace system visible. No pay rise for medical key workers. Never mind, because hey, over there, grr, look at those 12 people fleeing from war-torn countries and aggressive regimes that our party supplied arms to. Invading our shores in a sinking rubber a dinghy live on TV. Dog whistle, beep. We're still strong on immigration and the causes of right-wing voters. Yeah, little Britain, protect your dogs from getting their tiny, delicate paws burned on the hot tarmac in the ever-empty playgrounds because there's no plan for helping schools to be safely operational in three weeks' time. But bomb those fucking kids in the inflatables to hell before they get here, grow up, pay taxes and get a job as Home Secretary, for Christ's sake. I'm sorry, I do apologise. My mistake. Two sentences. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our newest patron, Wildflowers. Our straw man level patrons, Mark5293 and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman level top patron, Lauren Said. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. And yes, the patrons normally, every other week that isn't a fallacious trump week, get a chapter of the Q uh, book, The Great Awakening, but this one coming up we're actually taking a short break from Q because we're doing a breakdown of the Bo Derek and Donald Trump film Ghosts Can't Do It which it didn't I it mean, didn't feel like a short break <laughs> let, let me tell well, you it's a night it's not going to be a short episode no, it's a ni- 95 minute <laughs> film which is an hour and, uh-huh. you know, an hour and a half of your life you'll never get back and we talked about it for 3 hours <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah. there's a bit of an epic episode yeah. this week for patrons. And the reason we did that is because our the we had this target for if we hit this number of patrons and you know they pay us money for the which is always astonishing that you're doing that and thanks very much <laughs> for doing so. They, they pay us money, then we will do that. So I think some of you deliberately paid us money in order to yeah. make us watch that thing, so you won't have to. But we would recommend watching along with us. Why should we suffer alone? We? We've, yeah, mainly because we've suffered for our art, and now it's your turn. So you might as yeah. well. Yeah. It is a strange thing to, to to talk about that film as a Bo Derek and Donald Trump film. <laughs> it, you know, it's barely a Bo Derek film. It's a Bo it's Derek and Anthony Quinn film. It with, is really, with, yeah. With sort of some meddling by John Derek, the director, <laughs> which is, I mean, you know, lots of high production values, terrible movie. Spoiler alert, I warn you awful, now. Awful yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> All music is by the Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, 
where we leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye! A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that it results. A, log- a logical... I'm just laughing at super... <laughs> just, can't, can't even speak. Joe Biden has finally... Uh, no, not finally. Finally ficked. <clears throat> See, if I, if I was taking the piss out of Joe Biden at that moment, that would have been very ironic. Um. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.